Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. John 10, we're going back to our foundation verses. John 10, the, the heart of our uh, series is, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus declared it, we're about to read it. That means that those who are true sheep hear his voice. And I'm going to reveal to you again the word sheep here in these verses, especially verse 27, referring to verse 27. It, 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 you know, relationship to what we know, uh, what the Bible clearly was written in originally in the Greek, you got to go back to the Greek language to look these words up to figure out what exactly do they mean. The word sheep here means one who is under the care of the good shepherd. One who is under the, under the care of the good shepherd. You could be born again and not under the care of the good shepherd. Really quiet tonight. Let me give you an example. You could be birthed into a family but not be under the care of that family. You listening? You could leave that family. You could run away. Any, any of kids ever just you know, try to run away from home or think about running away from home? My dad, man, he, he ended that pretty quick, man. You know, I was going to run away from home one time, pack my bags. I had all my stuff ready to go. And you know what? He acted like he wasn't going to stop me. He said, you want me to help you? No, I'll get it. I'll get my stuff. Okay. Well, I'll see you downstairs when you get ready to head out the door. We'll say goodbye to you. It's like, okay, man, praise the Lord, I'm on my way. Back my bag, got my little bag, walk downstairs, you know. Kind of think of Opie's kid, you know, the, the little Opie's friend. So I come downstairs walking, and I looked at my dad and said, I'm going. He said, wonderful, praise God. He said, what are you going to eat tonight? <laughs> well, I don't know. You got no food with you? No, it's just clothing and stuff. Well, how are you going to eat tonight? What are you going to have for breakfast tomorrow? Where are you going to sleep? What bed are you going to sleep in? See, I never thought about all this stuff. It didn't take long, but about a 10-minute conversation, him asking all these questions, I headed back upstairs, unpacked my bag, unpacked my bag, put everything away. You listening? I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people don't realize that they walk away from what God wants for their life without even thinking about what they're doing because they're not paying attention to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Many of them got led into where God wanted them, and then over time allowed offense to come or whatever to happen that caused them to be led away. And I'm going to tell you right now, the key to walking in this is not only hearing his voice, but sticking with it. That's the key. Amen? John chapter 10, are you with me? Verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep. So what's one of his sheep here? Those who are under the care of the shepherd. Well, if I'm under the care of the shepherd, what would that mean? I receive correction. I receive instruction. Come on. I receive insight from him. I want it. I'm looking to him for help. I'm not, I'm not trying to care for myself. You know what I'm saying? We got stuff we got to do in life, but I'm just saying. I'm looking to him to care for me. I'm looking for him to help me, for him to show me what he wants. So these are his sheep. So the phrase, my sheep, is not just born again. That obviously would be included. To come under his care, you got to be born again. But you got to be more than born again. Because notice the absolute statement, my sheep hear my voice. Then why is it that every believer today is not hearing the voice of God? Because they're not under his care. Now, if you don't know it, as we've already touched on this last Wednesday and tonight, that's a key nugget to hearing the voice of God. You listening? That's a key nugget to hearing the voice of God. Who are those who hear the voice of God? Those who are truly under the care of the good shepherd. And we'll get into that later on. I'm just showing you the importance of it. I'm just showing you that you can hear him. And I'm just showing you the benefit if you do. Amen? Amen. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Amen. Well, doesn't he know everybody? Oh, no. There's going to be people that thought they knew him and that he knew them. And he's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. <laughs> so for him to know you here is simply to have an intimate relationship with you. Now, this is how God works, like it or not. 
God gives opportunity. Say opportunity. But guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't then come to you. He just opens the door for you to come to him. He presents for you the opportunity to come to him. Jesus never forced himself on anybody. Jesus never went to anybody's home that didn't want him there. You listening? They wanted him there. So you got to understand, this is clear. For him to know us means that it doesn't mean he comes to us and creates a relationship with us. He comes and offers us salvation. Then we got to do what? We got to chase after him. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So my sheep hear my voice and I what? I know them. That's intimately. That's, that's a phrase there in the Greek language that refers to a close, intimate relationship with him. And they do what? So what's a sign that I'm, I'm hearing the, fo- the voice of Jesus? I'm following his example. I'm following his example. It, it's like ministries today who do wacky, weird, crazy stuff that Jesus never did. And the disciples never did. And they claim God led them to do it, but yet Jesus never did it. If I hear his voice and what I'm doing, wouldn't I be following his example? I sure would. I sure would. So I wouldn't be doing things that now all of a sudden, well, you know, I understand. I never saw Jesus do that in the Bible, nor the disciples, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want me to do it. Excuse me? He's having you do something totally out of the ordinary from based on what he did, relationship to how he ministered to people, how he lived. I don't think so. I said, I don't think so. 28, and I give them what? What do I give them? I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone do what? Snatch them out of my hand. Now, I don't want to get too far off into this, but the eternal life, obviously, what everybody would just think, well, you just got to be born again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hebrews says you can't, Having tasted the heavenly gift. That, if you look that up in the Greek, it means you're born again. You can't do that live in willful sin. Deny the blood of Jesus. Tramp, this is the New Testament, book of Hebrews. Trample the blood underfoot like it was a common thing. You listening? And then not expect to face a fiery judgment. Can I translate for you? You worked your way to hell. You were born again, but you chose to deny Jesus. You chose to eventually walk away from him. Well, it just said here that nobody can snatch him out of, their, out, of, out of his hand. No, nobody can take your salvation from you. But he didn't say you couldn't turn out and walk away. 29, my father who has given them to me is what? Greater than all. And again, no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Say this, nobody can take me away from my walk with God. Not unless you let them, folks. Not unless you let them. Nobody can do it unless you allow the influence of somebody else to mislead you, misguide you, take advantage of you, and draw you astray. I have a question. How many of you, how many of you have a heart to truly do what's right in the sight of God with your life? I mean, you, without, that's your desire. Okay? So listen, if that's true of your desire, Satan will almost never come at you directly. Never. He, he knows that about you in relationship to what he sees about your life. He don't know your heart. But he sees that about your life. He sees you going to church. He sees you getting in the Word. He sees you doing the things of God. And I'll tell you what, what he does for people in relationship to that to try to deceive them, what he tries to do, Dr. Sumrall taught this. He said he used somebody else who truly isn't that serious about their walk with God. But they know you. Especially those who influence you. So you want to be careful who influences you. Say, my sheep, let's put it this way, his sheep, sorry, hear his voice. So what do I got to do? Just be one of his sheep. Be one who is under the care of the good shepherd and know this, I can hear his voice. Proverbs 19, let's go back to this verse. Proverbs 19. Hallelujah. Man, if you thought last Wednesday was good, hang on. Proverbs 19. How many enjoyed last Wednesday? We're going to add a verse tonight. So we looked at verse 21, but tonight we're going to back up and add verse 20. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. See, wisdom doesn't come overnight. But if you listen to counsel and receive instruction, it says that you will be wise. You may be wise in your latter days. How many know in your latter days you want to walk wise? Because there's two types of people talked about in relationship to the rapture. Wise virgins and foolish. Who's not going to heaven? The foolish. Who is going? The wise. Now, do the foolish lose their salvation? No. They're going to hang out for some tribulation. 
So if you will listen to counsel and receive what? Instruction. Then you may be wise in your latter days. Okay, so question. Who do I get counsel from? Who do I get instruction from? That I would be wise in my latter days. Verse 21 will tell you. There are, again, many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's what? Tell me out loud, please. The Lord's counsel will do what? So verse 20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you'll be wise in your latter days. If I want that to happen, whose counsel do I need? The Lord's counsel. The Lord's counsel. I need him to guide me. I need him to direct me. So I want you to see this again because this is black and white. This is not gray matter. This is not something we make, we're trying to make up to make it fit this, which we don't do that here. But look at verse 21 again. There are many plans in a man's heart. Say, I have many plans in my soul right now. The heart here is referring to the center of your intellect, your soul, mind, will, and emotions. There are many plans there. I have a question. Are any of those gods? Not according to the rest of the verse. Nevertheless, it is the Lord's counsel that will stand. So you understand, you and I as an individual, why is it that we have so many plans? God created us to rule. God created man to rule. God created man with a capability that angels didn't have. He created us to be just like God. Sad part is because of the fall, now the plans that we have as a fallen being, guess what? Aren't in line with God's plans. Now, you might have some plans that could be of the Lord that you might think are your plans. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that you have actually in your soul that came from you alone, not from God. You didn't hear it from the Lord. You didn't hear it from the Word. It's something that you have a desire of for your life to do or to live out. But guess what? If that's your plan, that's not what's going to stand. What will? God's. I had another plan for my life. This wasn't it. This wasn't my plan. I didn't wake up one day and say, man, this is a good plan. I should become a pastor. Are you kidding? I tried every way in the world to get out from underneath it. I tried every way in the world to do what I wanted to do. So you got a choice. You can do what you want to do. Or you can do what? Receive counsel from the Lord. Be wise in your latter days. And you can live out that which will stand. Meaning what? It will prevail. It will succeed. Say prevail. Prevail. So prevail means it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, we've been in existence 33 years as a church. I really don't care what other people think as it relates to what our future is or what God has for us. All I got to do is keep hearing from God and obeying Him. And if you do, guess what? His plan prevails. Do you know there are people that don't want to see that building built? Do you know there are people who came through this church didn't want to see that building built? I don't really care whether it gets built or not if it's not God's plan. You listening? The only reason that I know it's going to get built is because God told me to have that plan built. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Well, guess what? It don't happen overnight. So when you stay consistent at what God's plan is and follow his leading, it will prevail. Say prevail. prevail. I like this from another translation, verse 21. God's intentions for us. See the word uh, counsel? The last part I'm here. I'm on the last part of verse 21. The word counsel is actually not the same word as the first part of the verse talking about man's plans. Now, I'm going to show you why. Because again, the word counsel is more direct. It actually means intention. That which is intended for you. What God had intended for you. See, the plans you have aren't what God had intended for you. That's why they're different words. That's why the word counsel here is not the same word as plans. Because God's plans aren't, quote unquote, just some kind of plan. If if you want to do it, fine. If you don't want to do it, fine. No, this is what I have intended for your life. I intentionally set this up for you to live out this very life in this way that I wanted you to live. Do what I wanted you to do. So the word counsel actually is a word that is defined in the Greek and the Hebrew language here as intentions. God's intentions for us when followed, say followed, will succeed. If you know God's intention for you, the only reason it could not succeed is because you didn't follow it. You didn't stick with it. You either chose not to do it or you gave up on it. See, following the intentions of God doesn't mean you got it figured out. 
Matter of fact, if you follow the intentions of God, you'll be shocked sometimes of the way he takes you. You'll be shocked sometimes of the things he wants you to do. I know people today that they have one desire of what they want to do with their life and they don't realize God has another intention for them. But they keep trying to live out what they want. And I'll tell you one of the ways you know you have the plan of God, you're trying to make what you want come to pass happen. You might even think it's God. I'm not talking about people who think what they're doing isn't God. I know people who think what they're doing is God. And it's not. And they keep trying to make it happen. And the more you do, the more you're going to fail. Because guess what? It never was God's intention for you anyway. Guess what the children of Israel couldn't make happen? The Red Sea part. Guess what they could not make happen? The waters turned sweet. Guess what they could not make happen? Manna show up every morning. Come on, Krispy Kreme donuts every day. I'm in. I'm in. Are you listening? Just wake up every day and, man, Krispy Kreme donuts all over, man. A, a, a sugary wafer-like substance there for them to eat every single day. And then they complained about that. Fine, I'll give you quail. Showed up every morning. I'm just telling you, folks, you got to realize this. God already has a plan. He already has an intention. And if you'll walk it out and do what? Stick to it. Quit trying to pull away from what God confirmed in your heart a long time ago as it relates to stuff you know that you know lines up with the Word and truly is God. How many people walk through these doors and say, man, I've never heard teaching like this. I know you're my shepherd, but they don't stick with it. You listening? And I'm not talking about people went and said that about another church. I'm talking about people say, I never known that until I walked in here. How many know there are some people walking here this was not their church? It's not where God intended for them to be. We're not saying everybody walks through the door. We should have stayed here. Not what I'm saying. But you got to know what God's intention is. And you got to do what? Stick with it. It won't prevail if you don't stick with it. See, if you're going to constantly look at it like, well, this ain't going like I planned. This ain't going how I thought. This isn't what I thought this was going to be like. Well, I'll tell you right now, the moment you get out of God's intention, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Drop down to Proverbs 20. As you begin to walk out the will of God, I want to say something to you. You are either, don't, don't get mad at me. Don't throw nothing at your pastor tonight because I'm not done preaching yet. You, you are either right now in a battle or you're coming into one. You're coming, you're going to be facing one. You're in a warfare. You're in a warfare. Satan ain't going to sit back and just say, hey man, no problem. I just want you to have all that you need. Don't worry about it. We ain't going to bother you. Now I'll tell all the demons to stay away from you. Now I'll tell all the evil people of the planet, just leave them alone. Get away. Just leave them back. Just let them prosper. Let God bless them. Let God keep them in a position where they have everything that they want every day. Now listen, folks, you are either in a battle or you're going into one. At some point. I don't mean like tomorrow or something. But the reality is, why does the Bible say fight the good fight of faith? You don't need to fight the fight of faith if there's no battle. Every day the battle is for you to stay in faith with God. This is why you need to hear from God. You are either in a battle or there is one coming up. Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Listen to this carefully. Proverbs 20, 18. Plans are established by what? Okay, so again, if we want counsel to make us wise and counsel that will succeed, where should those plans be coming from? From God. Plans are established by counsel. Notice this, by wise counsel do what? Well, there you go. See, once you know for sure what God wants you to do, guess what you can do? You can walk through it knowing that I can wage war. I can exercise my faith every day knowing that I know exactly what God has for me to do. And I don't care what the devil tries to throw at me. I don't care which Goliath or which lion's den or fiery furnace or whatever he throws at me. I don't care. You know why? Because if I'm walking in the counsel of God... I can wage a good warfare. You know why? Because God's going to take me through the battle. He's already provided victory. Again, in context to going into the promised land with the second generation, what did he tell them? I'll drive out your enemies. Did they have enemies? Yes, they did. Well, Psalm 23, if you don't know, is a prophetic psalm of the day you live in. And it talks about him preparing a table in the midst of your enemies. Meaning what? You're going to have battles. You're going to have your enemies to deal with. But guess what I've done? I've already prepared a table. That's right. I've already prepared what you need. 
the reason a lot of people don't win the battles of life that they're going through is because they aren't following God's counsel. They're not following God's leading. I didn't say if you follow God's leading again, you're not going to have battles. No, you're going to have battles. But you'll never be defeated. I said you'll never be defeated. I don't know about you. I'm in some battles right now. I'm in some battles. All of us in some way are probably in some kind of battles. Whether it be with situations with bodies, physical finances, uh, with uh, physical body finances, situations with jobs, people, you name it. But I'm going to tell you right now, folks, what do you got to do? Stick to what God is directing you to do. Follow his leading. Plans are established by what? Counsel. So you got to get God's counsel. I said you got to get God's counsel. Because when you got God's direction and counsel, he wants you to go. Guess what you can do? Guess what you can do now? Now you can make a plan because it's in line with His will. Right? I'm not talking about making a plan like choosing of what you want to do. No, now I know what He wants me to do, so now I can follow His leading to go out and carry out what I know I need to accomplish by setting a plan in place. Right? How many believe? How many believe this? How many believe God wants you in the Word, fellowshipping with Him every day? How many of you believe you could go to anybody like me or even the Bible and get wise counsel that he wants you fellowshipping with every day? So you already know that, right? You've already got the counsel of God on it, correct? Guess what you got to do to make it happen? You got to get a plan. You got to get a plan. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? You're just going to see if I can fit it into my day? I guarantee if you do that, I'll promise you, you probably never go to it. I'll get into this later. How many want to hear and follow God's leading? I mean, as accurate as you could walk in the context of God's leading. Let me help you. It's going to take a focus on spiritual things. And that starts with the Bible. Jesus said it in the book of John. He said clearly his words are spirit and they are life. And you're not going to be able to accurately follow God without living in the Bible. It's not going to. I remember Keith Moore said, when I first really started seeking God about following his direction for my life, I kept crying out to God saying, speak to me, God, speak to me. Anybody ever do this? Lord, just, if you just show me, I'd know what to do. God don't have a hard time speaking to you. He don't have a hard time showing you. You're going about it wrong. And finally, after a period of time of him just crying out to God, he just gets exhausted one day. And he's just laying there before the Lord, just trying to hear from God. God said, open the book. Oh, wait a minute. I need to work. Open the book. Start reading the book. If you'll start reading the book, you'll start noticing when I'm already prompting you. You'll start noticing what I'm already telling you. Because whatever I tell you to prompt you with is going to be in line with the word. You got to live in the word, Keith. If you don't live in the word, you're not going to hear my voice. Because if you open this every single day, you're already hearing my voice. And as you hear my voice through this every day, you'll start recognizing what is me and what's not me. Now that's a little nugget ahead of time, but I'm just going to tell you, this is why you and I got to do what? We got to get what? We got to get wise counsel. Plans are established by what? Counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. So the way that we begin to go to wage war, and I'll guarantee you what, yeah, you have an enemy called Satan. Yeah, you have demons to deal with that you have authority over, you can just put in their place. But they aren't your biggest enemy. Guess who your biggest enemy is? Your old fleshly nature. Your old carnal nature. Now see, we often make this statement. Jesus did, you know, Jesus did say, you know, anybody wants to be my disciple, deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. But the denial of self is really the denial of that old spirit, man. Let him die, take up your cross, get born again, get into the will of God, and then follow me. But we don't deny self after being born again, because if we deny self, who we deny? The real us. You're a spirit. You're not flesh. So we don't need to deny self once we're born again. What do we need to do? We need to die to the flesh. Paul even told you that. I said, Paul even told you that. You and I have to do something with your flesh. God can't, ladies and gentlemen, God ain't going to do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Your mama, your daddy can't do it for you. God said, you have to do something with your flesh. You have to bring it under subjection. Any good amens on that? 
But realize this, you and I again, 2018, if we get wise counsel, what can we do? Wage war. Well, if we wage war through wise counsel, where's that wise counsel coming from? Let me tell you what, the reason he said you can wage war is because now you know how to win. Now you know how to win. I got God's plan. Guess what that means? I win. Checkmate there, devil. I got God's counsel. I got a plan in place to carry it out. Guess what that means? You lose. I win. Any good amens on that? This is why we need to hear from God. We need his counsel. I said we need his counsel. Do you know what God has no problem doing? God has no problem hearing your prayer at the same time he's hearing millions of other people praying at the exact same time, let alone recognizing what's going on in our government, what's going on around the world, what's going on in heaven, what's going on with angels that are going everywhere. You listening? And yet he can still hear you and answer your prayer at the same time that he's doing all the rest of that stuff. You know, I have no problem with that. This ain't hard for God. Do you understand God doesn't own a computer? We think computers are great. You kidding me? To God, that's like a nothing little scrap piece of metal. It means nothing to him. God functions on such a higher level. And guess what? He offers you the counsel. You didn't hear me. God functions on such a higher level. Some of us have a tough time walking and chewing bubble gum at the same time. You listening? I tell people all the time in my church, have you got something that you need or something you need for me to do? You got to text me or send me an email. I'm not God. (laughs) You listening? I need it on a note somewhere so I don't forget it. But God don't forget stuff. He is the ultimate multitasker. He's multitasking all the time. And guess what he's doing while he's doing it? Sitting on the throne. Are you listening? How could you not want God's counsel? So if we have his counsel, we can now do what? When I get his counsel, say this. Now, let me, let me back up before you say that. Let's go back to 1921 again. There are many plans in a man's heart. Plan there is referring to what you want to live out with your life. Not how to do it, what you want to do. What you want to do. Nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. His intention. 2018, plans are established by what? So this isn't contradicting verse 21 of 19. Because we're not going by our plan. We get God's counsel. But once we get God's counsel, guess what we got to do? You got to make a plan how to carry that out. Because if you don't make a plan how to carry out what he gave you counsel to do. When God gave me counsel to go in this direction to actually build this building, guess what I had to do? I had to make a plan how to do that. God gives you counsel of what he wants for you. You can't. God gave us counsel years ago. Coming back from a straight talk meeting with Dr. Barclay. Told, I mean, as clear as a bell, told me in my spirit, I never called you to Roanoke. We'd been there 20-something years. Yeah. Imagine if I'd have heard God 20-something years previous. Right. Thank God for mercy. Yes. Thank God for grace. I never called you to Roanoke. You know why we went to Roanoke? Opportunity. Not because God called us. Are you listening? I know some of you from that area thinking, yeah, but we got connected to your church. God would have got you connected to our church. I'm just telling you, God never called us to Roanoke. God never called Kenneth Hagen to pastor a church. He called him to be a traveling teacher. He permitted him to do so, and he taught him through the process. But he once told him then, I never called you to pastor. So understand it doesn't mean he didn't maybe use that as an aspect of helping him to develop because he did. I'm just telling you, you and I want to make sure we're walking out daily what is God's counsel for our life. Can I get a better amen? So all of a sudden, we get in a situation now where we're having to try to find a place where we're going to go, and I did it again. I look for the aspect of opportunity. Where can we find a building that we can afford? That is not how you follow God. If you go by opportunity, Satan will take advantage of you. He's the God of this world. He opens and closes doors out here all the time. We don't go by open and closed doors. So again, if we get counsel, though, what do we got to do? Now we got to make a plan. Say we got to make a plan. So here we are coming back from, uh, from the straight talk, and God speaks to me and says, clearly, I never called you to run on. Guess what I didn't do? Guess what I didn't do? I didn't make a plan. 
I didn't make a plan. I just thought, okay, God, well then you just, you know, something would just pop up. Here we go, opportunity again. Something would just pop up where you want us to go. Well, after another year and a half, and God knowing I wasn't seeking him about where he wanted us, God kicked us out. When that building got bought and we got, we got moved out of there, I'm serious, man. I was seeking the Lord, man, after all that happened. I mean, you know, hindsight's 2020. I was seeking the Lord after all that happened. He said, I told you over two years ago I didn't call you to Roanoke. Why didn't you find out where you were called? Do you know what was available? Do you know, you know what was available when we got kicked out of the building at Roanoke? This building. You know why we weren't in it a year and a half sooner? Because I wasn't seeking from God. I wasn't making a plan of where we're supposed to go. But I'm telling you, when I walked in the door of this place, when we actually stepped in here for the first time, I knew this is where we're supposed to be. That inward witness rose up on the inside of me. That co-witness of the Holy Spirit says, this is where you belong. Ponders where I've called you. Amen. Amen. But you got to do what? By getting his counsel, you got to start making what? Some plans. You got to start working with God to get a plan. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 9. Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if we have God's counsel, say if I have God's counsel, what can we do now? Wage war. We can, we can get a plan based on, the, based on the Bible, line with the Bible, and we can wage war knowing we're going to walk in victory now, but i got to get a plan. I can't just know what God wants me to do and sit back and do nothing. i got to find out, okay, Lord, what's the next step? i got to get a plan here. Where do I go from here? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to see this with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 16 through 18 to begin with. Paul says here, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Necessity. What do you mean? He knew. God, God remember the Damascus Road? He knew this is what he was supposed to do. No question about it. No question about it. So everybody's waiting for a Damascus Road experience, which probably is not going to happen to us because we are not in the context of a sinner. We probably were not persecuting the church like he was. He needed a visitation from the Lord. Remember what the Lord told him? Why are you, why you fighting against me? He was fighting against the church. What did Jesus say? Why are you fighting against me? Notice this. If I preach the gospel, which he was called to, I have nothing to boast of. Why? Because this wasn't of my doing. This was God's purpose. This was his intention. When you walk in God's intention, you don't get the glory for it. God does. Why? Because it was his intention all along. It was his plan, not yours. You listening? So I don't have to try to make it happen. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Why? Because I know this is what God called me to do. 17. If I do this willingly, I have a reward. So this is not what Paul pictured him doing with his life. He was, he was persecuting the very church that now God wants him to help build. Right. This is not what he had in, in mind in his, in his thought life of what he planned for his life. This is a totally, totally opposite uh, aspect of what God wants him to do as opposed to what he wanted to do. If I do this willingly, I have a reward. So meaning what? Once I know God's intention, this is where he wants me. This is where he wants me. This is what he wants me to do. Well, guess what? If you're not doing it willingly, you're not going to get much of a reward from that. So he says, if I do it willingly, there's a reward. But if I do it against my will, guess what? No reward. Watch this. I have been entrusted with what? A stewardship. See, when you find out what God's plan is for you, you now know as a steward of that plan, that intent, of what God has for your life. Now you got to find out, am I going to be entrusted as a good steward or not? He was entrusted with this because guess what? Jesus knew this is what he was called to do. 18. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. This is all about Paul telling the Corinthians, 
I am not making a demand on you that you got to pay me X amount of dollars to come preach the gospel to you. Not doing that. I'm going to preach the gospel to you because God told me to. You listening? There are ministers today that won't show up unless you pay them X amount of dollars. Well, they're not preaching the gospel willingly. They're doing it because they obviously want you to pay them. You listening? Now, Paul later repents for the fact that he did not put a demand on the Corinthian church to provide for him. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he said, you're immature compared to other churches. And one of the reasons I did not put a demand on you to help me preach the gospel. He said, forgive me of this wrong. So he was saying, I later learned, I'm not requiring for you to pay me anything to come. I'm going to preach the gospel whether you pay me or not. But I should then give you opportunity to give to help me as I'm preaching the gospel. But whether you give or not doesn't matter. I'm going to willingly do it because I know it's what God called me to do. Once you know what God's called you to do, it ain't about a paycheck. It ain't about a position. You know how many people in church, all of a sudden you put them in a position, now it's about a position. It's all about a position. It's about the position I hold because of how it makes me feel in front of other people. No. You got to understand, even as it relates to things you do in the church, it doesn't mean you may do those things eternally. Right? Just like Ray talked about. Ray talked about this in relationship to Moses and Joshua. Was Joshua therefore supposed to be uh, the second-hand man to Moses for the rest of his life? No, God already knew he was going to wind up leading the children of Israel in the promised land. What was he doing in the process? Preparing him for that. You listening? For Joshua, it wasn't about a position. It was about being obedient to help Moses and do what God called him to do. Any good amens on that? Drop down to verse 24 for the sake of time. Therefore, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. You're in a race. Run it in such a way that you what? May obtain it. Watch this. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? What are they? Temperate in all things. That means they, they deal with themselves and maintain self-control. They don't let the flesh get out of hand. Now they do it to obtain the natural. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. What did he say just a minute ago? If I do, right before this, if I do this willingly, I'm going to get a reward. You listening? So to do so, I'm dealing with myself, not because I'm trying to get something from somebody, but because I'm going to obey God. And if I do, guess what? I'm going to receive an imperishable crown. 26, therefore I run thus. You ready? Not with what? Uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who what? Beats the air. How do you run with uncertainty? You have no idea what God's intention is for you. But you know what Paul was saying? I'm not running the race of life with uncertainty. I know exactly what God's called me to do. No, exactly. And because I know what he's called me to do, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not fighting as one who beats the air. Remember what Proverbs 20:18 said? It said, you and I, once we get counsel, make a plan, can now do what? Wage war. Amen. We can wage war. Not beating the air, but doing what? Driving back any work of darkness that tries to hinder us and walking out what God has for us. Paul wasn't beating the air like, I don't really know what's going on here. No, Paul knew exactly what he was to do. He knew who the opposition was, and he knew how to deal with it. He wasn't beating the air. 27, here it is. I discipline my body. At least I got one. Yeah, and I have to. I discipline my body. See, it's amazing how many people amen certain verses but not others. I discipline my body and I bring it into what? Into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become what? So what he just told you in verse 27, I know what I'm called to do. I know I have to preach the gospel. Woe is to me if I don't obey God and do, not like God's going to do something bad to me. No, no. How bad I would feel that I didn't live out my life with the intention of what God had. That's what he's saying. When he says, woe is me if I don't preach, it didn't mean God's going to smite me and knock me down and beat me up and do all kinds of bad things. No, he's not going to do that. He's saying, man, in his own heart, woe to me if I don't fulfill God's intent for my life. But I know what his intent is. And I don't only know it, I'm going to do it willingly. I'm going to do it excited. 
You know when God first spoke to him? Has he uh, sent, uh, uh, what was his name that came to him? Lost his name. I thought I had it. Um, huh? Can't remember. Remember the gentleman came to him, laid his hands on him, scales fell off his eyes. Remember that? Ananias maybe? I think it might have been. Anyway, guess what? When he actually did that, guess what was prophesied to him? I have set you apart not only to preach the gospel, but this is true of you. You will face great persecution. You listening? You are going to face great persecution. You're going to face, in the latter part of your life, Paul, things are going to get pretty tough. But you're in my will. And they did. And he said, woe is me if I don't fulfill God's will to go preach the gospel. And if I go fulfill and preach the, pre, fulfill the preaching of the gospel and I do so willingly, I do so because what? I discipline my body. Yeah. So you're not going to willingly serve God if you don't deal with your flesh. Right. Your flesh will get in the way. Yep. You listening? Yes. Last set of verses, Ephesians 1. You still with me? Yes. Ephesians chapter 1. Agabus. Agabus. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> he was probably an Aggie then. It's a joke. People in Texas would know what I'm talking about. That's why I said it. Ephesians chapter 1. You and I need to do what? We need to realize we can hear God's voice. We need to know what his intention is for us. When we know what his intention is for us, we're not just going through life now running a race with uncertainty. We're not just beating the air, going through these fights, not really knowing do we win, do we lose. No, once I know God's intention, once I know I'm walking that intention out and I'm on the right track with God, guess what I know? I'm running my race now with purpose. I know I'm fulfilling God's will. And in the process, sure, I'm going to face battles. But you know what? I'm not like somebody beating the air. I know this clearly. I'm in God's intention, His will for my life. So guess what? I win. I win. The devil will not stop me from fulfilling my call unless I don't deal with my body, unless I don't discipline my flesh. Because if I don't discipline my flesh, you know what your flesh is going to do? It ain't going to go the way of God. The Bible says your flesh is enmity against God. It is not going to go the way of God. It is not going to go the way of God's intention or plan for your life. Even in the context of what some people actually say they're doing that's well-meaning or for God, let me help you. You could say I'm doing something for God. How many things I've done in my life since I've been a pastor that I did for God that God never called me to do? Every time you're doing something God never called you to do, guess what you're not doing? What He did call you to do. You're not walking in a fulfillment of His will. You want to know one of the things that's really cool about knowing you're in the will of God? Can I help you? You're not living a frustrated, stressed, come on, Way down, always trying to seem to pull yourself up to get through a day kind of life. Paul went through far more than most of us would ever even dream of going through. And what did Paul say about them? Light afflictions. But you know how many people I know today that they're so wore out, they're so frustrated, they're so weighed down, they're, they're so overcome by life, can't ever get enough rest, can't ever do this. I'm going to tell you why. You're not walking in the intention of God. If you're walking in God's intention, you're walking in peace. Guess what guides you? Peace does. You're walking in power. You're walking in strength. See, this is a sign. People need to wake up. If I'm living a really frustrated, stressful, difficult, you know, aspect of life every day, just can't seem to hardly get through a day, and it's just like every day seems to get worse, let me help you. You're not walking in the plan of God. You're not walking in God's intention for your life. Because everybody who did, although they faced hard times, did not say, I'm so stressed. Come on, I'm so wore out. I'm so tired. None of them did. I said none of them did. Ephesians chapter 1, further down. Go with me, please. I'm sorry, I didn't even read it yet. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Listen carefully to these two verses in closing. You ready? Ephesians 1, 11. In him, Jesus, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Woo, glory. In him also we have obtained what? So does that mean we just automatically walk in it? Not if you're not walking in God's plan. No. A lot of people are not walking in the inheritance of God's favor and blessing on their life because they won't do with their money what is God's plan with their money. You still here? In him also we have obtained what? An inheritance. Watch this. Being predestined. 
This means God planned your life before you were ever here. The Bible says before the world began. How could God do that? He's God. He's, he's far above your capabilities of understanding. Being predestined according to the purpose. You listening? Being predestined according to the purpose. Who besides Kathy's listening? Being predestined according to the purpose of him. God. God had a purpose. Predestined. Already planned out for you. Listen carefully. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You should take time between now and Sunday to meditate on these verses 11 and 12. Listen carefully. In him, in Jesus. Once you are born again, guess what you are? You're in him. How many are born again and know it? You're in him. So if you're in him, guess what you've obtained? An inheritance. An inheritance. He already has laid up for you an inheritance. He predestined it according to what? The purpose of what you wanted to do. No. According to the purpose of what? Him, God. According to his purpose, he is the one who does what? Works all things. When you and I follow the leading of God and we're walking to his purpose, guess what I'm not trying to do? Make this stuff come about. Guess who's at work making it come about? God is. It is him who works all things. Wait a minute, but how does he do it? Underline the last part of this verse, please. According to the counsel of his will. Coming back to that. Verse 12, that we who first trusted... When you got born again. When you got born again, that was when you first trusted in him. But we who first trusted in Christ should do what? Should be to the praise of his glory. How are you and I going to be to the praise of his glory? I'll tell you how. That you're going to walk according to the counsel of his will. If you are not walking according to the counsel of his will, you are going to miss out on your inheritance. You are not therefore going to do what? You are not going to be according to, you are not going to be uh, going out, living your life in a way that's a praise of his glory, bringing praise to him. If you walk in the inheritance he has for you, guess what you don't do? You don't run around saying, look what I did. Look what I earned. Look what I accomplished. Look what I got done. No, you know I didn't do that. That was my inheritance. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus accomplished for me. Come on, somebody. Verse 11 is the key verse. In Jesus, born again, we have obtained, say obtained, an inheritance. Why don't I have it yet? Because you have to understand it was predestined according to God's purpose that he would work this out for you. How? According to the counsel of his will. What if I'm not following the counsel of his will? You're not going to walk in the fullness of your inheritance. What this verse tells you is you can't do whatever you want and get everything that God has for you. I'll say that again in case you miss it the first time. You can't do whatever you want and get everything God has for you. That, that is so simple and yet people miss it. That's like saying, well, I don't believe that. Okay, so you just go out and let's say you're married. Say, don't do this. Say, don't do this. So let's say you're married and you just go out and you keep committing adultery on your spouse. That's not according to God's will. Let me tell you what you're not going to walk in in that relationship. God's inheritance. God's inheritance is for you to have a blessed marriage. You're not going to do that walking outside of God's counsel. Are you? No, you're not. If you turn around and start taking your money and start blowing it on all kinds of stuff that's sinful and wrong... You think you're going to see God continue to bless you and provide for you and increase you? No, because you're not operating according to his principle of sowing and reaping. You're not honoring him. He can't honor you. I get a better amen. It's, it's simple to understand, and yet people seem to, for some reason, to just let it go right over the head. If I'm not walking according to the counsel of his will, I'm not going to experience the fullness of my inheritance. How do I walk according to the counsel of his will? I got to follow his leading. I got to know that he's leading my decisions. I got to know that he's directing me in the path I'm taking. I got to know that I'm walking out the predestined path God has for me. Am I in the, am I in the job God wants me in? Have I even taken time to seek my heart to find out if that is true or not? Am I in the place where I'm supposed to be in relationship to the aspect of other people's relationships? 
Am I walking out what I'm supposed to be doing in my daily walk with God, in my daily life with God, or do, am I too busy for God? That I don't have time to fellowship with Him. I don't have time to open the Bible. I don't have time to pray and talk to God. I'm too busy. You're not walking the counselor's will, but you want your inheritance. And he says, it don't work that way. My inheritance was pre-set up for you before the foundation of the world was even created. Pre-planned, already had a plan, already had a purpose for you. And once you get in my purpose, guess what you're going to walk out? My will. Going to walk out my will. Through all the challenges Paul went through, guess what Paul did? He made it through. He had what he needed. Even in the latter part of his life, he had more than he had at the start. People started recognizing it. When he was in Rome, they started bringing gifts to him, started bringing offerings to him, started blessing him. Because he even told him, he said, I now have not only sufficient for what I need, but I have more than enough. I'm abounding. Listen to the right counsel, and you'll be wise in your latter latter days. See, everybody wants it tomorrow, and they want to do it on their terms. But if you don't follow the counsel of God, you don't understand that by not doing so, guess what you're not going to get? The fullness of your inheritance. You might get bits and pieces of it here and there, but God wants you to walk in it, but without following the counsel's will, it ain't going to happen. How do I follow the counsel's will? I have to hear his voice. I have to be led by him. If I follow his voice, if I follow his leading, what he's prompting me, guiding me, leading me to do, guess what he's doing? He's leading me in that predestined plan. And guess what's a part of that predestined plan? My inheritance. As a child of God. Any good amens on that? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.